We would like to welcome you to another edition of The Jazz Show. This is uh, the last The Jazz Show in the month of November. And one more month to go, and 2016 will be history. But, um, well, that's the way it is, isn't it? My name's Gavin Walker, and we have some of the very best in jazz music for you uh, until well after midnight. And uh, we have, of course, our jazz feature coming right up. And lots of music to play for you this evening, some uh, uh, very different uh styles of jazz. We try to take you um, through different roads of the music, but uh, keep it jazz. That's the main thing. Tonight is a musician that I'm sure that most of you have never heard of. And it's not that he is um, totally unknown. He recorded, actually, for Blue Note Records. Uh, he appeared as a sideman on a couple, and he there was one album under his own name that was officially released, even though he, uh, he actually cut two albums under his own name, but only one was released, and there's a reason for that, of course. Um, his name, Fred Jackson. Doesn't really ring a bell, does it? Fred Jackson. If you like the tenor saxophone stylings of people like Gene Ammons, Houston Person, the big-sounding um, Texas tenor-sounding uh, horns of, say, Illinois Jacquette, um, people like that, then you'll be able to relate to the sound of Fred Jackson. Uh, there's really not a whole lot um, that is known about this gentleman other than he c came from an R&B background. He played with the legendary Little Richard from 1951 to 1953. He was in Little Richard's band. Uh, then he um, actually did some uh, gigging and playing with B.B. King in his band. But then he became musical director for a great singer named Lloyd Price. And Lloyd Price was um, in the midst of a immense popularity on the rhythm and blues scene. And this brought uh, Fred on tours across the country and so on and really raised Fred Jackson's profile as a, a fine tenor saxophonist. And, of course, Lloyd Price featured him. Um, on many pieces, of course, and um, Fred got a chance to display his immense skills on the, on the tenor saxophone. But not much personally is known about Fred, other than the fact that he was born in 1929 in Atlanta, Georgia, and if he is still alive today, he would be 87 or 88, so... The likelihood of him still being around is probably not too likely. Because Fred, um, despite the fact that he uh, appeared as a sideman on various Blue Note records and, of course, was a prominent member of Lloyd Price's band, uh, Fred kind of dropped out of the scene after 1965, and not much more is known uh, of him. 
uh, sad to say. However, and this is where we get to our jazz feature, Fred Jackson appeared as a sideman on a very fine recording by organist Babyface Willette, a.k.a. Roosevelt Willette, but he was known as Babyface Willette. And Fred Jackson was the tenor saxophonist on there. And Babyface record, had recorded his second album for Blue Notes, a very, very fine um, organ-based uh, uh, album with Grant Green on guitar and Fred Jackson on tenor saxophone and Ben Dixon on drums. So the album was called Face to Face, and it's a, it's a Blue Note classic of that genre. Interestingly enough, many people think of Alfred Lyon, who was the head of Blue Note Records, as being rather sophisticated um, uh, musical taste, which he did have. But he also, he was very open-minded. And even though the bulk of uh, Blue Note records are, are sort of uh, modern jazz, um, bebop-influenced recordings, uh, Alfred Lyon, of course, opened the door for more avant-garde uh, musicians as well, such as Andrew Hill, Jackie McLean, who was going through a stylistic uh, metamorphosis, Gratian Moncour, and eventually people like Wayne Shorter, Herbie Hancock, and um, he recorded Cecil Taylor. But Alfred Lyon also had another side to him. He really enjoyed going to a lot of the bars in Harlem where they had um, organ-based jazz groups that played more bluesy, funky kind of music and usually featured either a guitar or a guitar and a saxophone player plus the great Hammond organ. Lyon and his entourage used to love to go to those bars and, and just enjoy that kind of music. So he was very open. Um, when he heard Fred Jackson and, and found out a little bit about him, that he was basically uh, from an R&B background, he said, Fred, why don't you, uh, I, I really enjoy your playing. I, I love your playing, as a matter of fact. Would you do a recording for me? And Fred Jackson said, Sure. And Alfred said, you can, you can choose anybody you want. We have a lot of people on the roster here. Uh, and, and Fred said, well, I like the guys that I'm working with in Lloyd Price's band. These are musicians that I'm familiar with, and I'd like to use them. So those are the people that we're going to hear on this album by Fred Jackson. It was issued on Blue Note Records. The album came out uh, with a great title, Hootin' and Tootin' by Fred Jackson. And it's a very fine album, as you'll hear, of this genre. And unfortunately, and this is where it probably affected the album's sales, it was reviewed in Downbeat magazine, which was, of course, the leading jazz publication of the day. And some snobby jazz critic, I can't remember who it was, gave Fred Jackson's record a one-star rating. One star out of five. One star meant poor. And completely dissed the album and said there's nothing really to listen to on this recording and so on and so forth. So it might have led to um, slow sales of the album because people back then in the early 60s paid a little more attention to these record reviews. Um, now people 
just buy what they like. It doesn't matter if it's uh, if a reviewer says it's rotten, but you like it, that's fine. Anyway, this this uh, Fred was a bit of a victim uh, of that, and that's why his second album that he did a few months later was never issued because I think Hootin' and Tootin' didn't really get a lot of good sales. So we're going to get into the music. The seven tunes on the album, they're all written by Fred Jackson, and they're all kind of blues-based, um, but they're really easily listenable. Uh, they're fun to listen to. Fred Jackson is one hell of a uh, tenor saxophonist, and the guys in his band are no slouches either. Uh, we're going to hear Earl Van Dyke on the Hammond organ and a guitar player by the name of Willie Jones and a very fine drummer who did play with a lot of uh, very well-known um, bands and small groups, Wilbert Hogan. He was sometimes known as G.T. Hogan and um, a very, very fine, solid drummer. So those are the people involved on Hootin' and Tootin'. And so we're going to get to the music. All of this was recorded, gee, the day before my birthday, February 5th, 1962, at Rudy Van Gelder's studio. And we're going to hear the seven tunes from this album. This is going to be our jazz feature, the album Hootin' and Tootin', Fred Jackson. Uh, The first tune is called Dippin' in the Bag. The second tune is called Southern Exposure. Tune number three is called Preach, Brother. Tune number four is the title track called Hootin' and Tootin'. Tune number five is entitled Easin' On Down. Tune number six is called That's Where It's At. And tune number seven is Way Down Home. So I think even from the sound of the titles, you know that this music is going to be kind of funky, bluesy, and entirely listenable jazz music, which is really um, no compromise music. Uh, This isn't watered-down jazz to make your listening easier. This is the real deal, except it emphasizes the, the real bluesy side of jazz music. So I think you're going to enjoy this album. Once again, the great Fred Jackson on tenor saxophone, Earl Van Dyke on Hammond organ, Willie Jones on guitar, and Wilbert Hogan on drums. And our jazz feature this evening, Hootin' and Tootin', Fred Jackson. Thank you. 
And that is our jazz feature of this evening. The great Fred Jackson and company. We heard uh, Fred, of course, on, uh, on tenor saxophone, along with um, Earl Van Dag- Dyke on uh, Hammond organ, and Willie Jones on guitar, and Wilbert Hogan on drums. And of course, um, Wilbert uh, um, was sometimes known as uh, G.T. Hogan as well. Fred Jackson, wonderful tenor saxophonist, and uh, as I mentioned before, there's not a whole lot known about Fred Jackson other than the fact that he was born in Atlanta, Georgia in 1929, and today he would be um, 87 or 88 years old, if he is still around. He dropped out of the music scene entirely around about 1965, and uh, nothing has been heard of him since. And, of course, um, he had worked for uh, several years with Little Richard and also B.B. King, and, of course, uh, really came to prominence with the great singer... Um, R&B singer Lloyd Price, and um, Fred became Lloyd Price's musical director. So Fred's profile was uh, was raised quite a bit, and he uh, showed up as a sideman on a, a great um, Blue Note record date with uh, organist Babyface Willette. And um, his sound and his music really impressed uh, the head honcho of uh, Blue Note Records, Alfred Lyon, And so he asked Fred to do this particular record date that we just heard on the jazz feature, and it was issued. Um, He actually did two. Unfortunately, the second one wasn't issued uh, until years and years later when it came out in a deluxe CD. But this one was issued, and it was entitled Hootin' and Tootin' with Fred Jackson, and it featured him with all his um, cohorts, Uh, that he worked with in Lloyd Price's band, Earl Van Dyke, the Hammond organist, Willie Jones, the guitarist, and Wilbert Hogan, the drummer. We heard seven tunes, all written by Fred Jackson, and of course reflecting his background in rhythm and blues. And uh, uh, Alfred Lyon loved this record. He actually loved this style of music, and for all his um, musical sophistication, he really liked the the, uh, organ-jazz combos. And um, when he went out on, on his rounds in New York uh, back in the 60s when he was uh, uh, busy with the label and looking for different artists to sign, he, he really enjoyed going up to Harlem and going to uh, many of the clubs and bars that had um, this style of music played all the time by, by different people. And Lyon really enjoyed that and uh, recorded quite a bit of it on Blue Note along with uh, Straight Ahead um, modern jazz, and of course later on some uh, some very avant-garde jazz as well. Anyway, we heard seven tunes on this album, beginning with um, and all composed by Fred Jackson. We began with "Dippin' in the Bag," and then we moved to the second tune, slowed things down a little bit with a tune called "Southern Exposure," and the tune number three was entitled "Preach, Brother." Uh, tune number four was the title track "Hootin' and Tootin'." Tune number five was called Easin' On Down. Tune number six was called That's Where It's At. 
uh, tune number seven. The final tune was called Way Down Home. The musical stylings of tenor saxophonist Fred Jackson, our jazz feature artist for this evening. And we'll be right back with uh, some more music right after these uh, important messages. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker. I'll be back in a few moments. Hey, man. Come out to the Rio Sunday, December 4th for the UBC Film Sox annual Big Lebowski um, Beverage Garden. It's totally free. Uh, except the, uh, you know, beverages. And wear costumes, maybe win a prize. Doors are at 6, and the movie will start at 6.30, do Dorino. It's a 19-plus event. Please abide. I need somebody. Not just anybody. You know I need someone. Do you ever feel uncomfortable or unsafe walking around campus at night? There's an AMS service dedicated to helping anyone trying to get across campus alone at night. We're SafeWalk, and we have your back. Call us at 604-822-5355 to request a transfer, or check out our website at ams.ubc.ca forward slash SafeWalk for more information on hours and policies. We do have some weather for you. Tonight is um, going to be, <laughs> it's not great, but uh, the weather hasn't been great, of course, and uh, I think it's getting everybody down a little bit. This kind of weather sort of saps people's uh, energy as well. Uh, sometimes, you know, but the um, it's not like summer rain, which sometimes can be very stimulating and, and get the ions going. This kind of rain day after day after day kind of gets you down a little bit. But anyway, uh, this is the official forecast. Tonight is mainly cloudy, which isn't bad because there's no rain in the forecast uh, and with a low of 9. And then tomorrow is going to be cloudy once again, but uh, a 60% chance of a shower in the afternoon. Lows between 4 and highs up to 7. Wednesday, uh, showers with um, not much variation in temperature, low of 7, a high of 8. Uh, Thursday is cloudy with no precipitation uh, in the forecast for Thursday, which isn't bad. Low of 6, high of 8. Friday, back to rain with a low of 6 and a high of 7. Saturday, uh, cloudy with a 60% chance of a shower, low of 3, high of 7. And Sunday is rain with a low of three and a high of seven. When will it end? Oh, who knows? Anyway, that's the, uh, that's the forecast. We're going to have a complete change of pace now in music, and we're going to turn things over to the music of Carla Bley. And this is very interesting because this is the 
Liberation Music Orchestra, which, of course, was started by the late, great bassist Charlie Hayden. And um, Charlie died in 2014, and this, uh, these two pieces that we're going to hear were recorded in 2015. Carl Ablay, who, great composer and pianist and, and uh, bandleader in her own right, uh, took over the orchestra. These are all people that uh, worked with, um, with Charlie Hayden, but she, she took over the orchestra um, for a series of um, pieces that she wrote. And um, it features, of course, um, wonderful tenor saxophone work by Chris Cheek, very underrated uh, tenor saxophonist. And um, uh, it was Ken Pickering that turned me on to uh, Chris Cheek and uh, his, his particular style. Very, very good player. And um, also uh, Lawrence Stillman, who was a very fine alto saxophonist, and Curtis Folks, who is a uh, trombonist, and um, Michael Rodriguez, who is one hell of a trumpet player. And uh, the other people involved here, um, Steve Swallow, um, Carla Blay's partner, is, is playing bass, and uh, various other people in, in this um, orchestra. The pieces of music we're going to hear, and as I said, this is a complete change of pace from what we were listening to, uh, which is always nice, and I think you'll you'll enjoy the contemplative contemplative nature of this music. It's quite somber, and and very moving. Uh, the first piece of music is called "Silent Spring," which of course was the title of a very famous book by Rachel Carson, and um, it's a composition here by Carla Blay, and the soloist here is Chris Cheek. And the trumpet soloist is Michael Rodriguez. The second piece of music, Carla Blay, of course, came from a um, um, Scandinavian background. And the second piece of music sort of has a Scandinavian-sounding uh, title, and it's called Utvikling Sang. Utvikling Sang is the second tune that we're going to hear. And the soloists on that, um, Curtis Folks on trombone, and Lauren Stillman on alto saxophone. So lots of very, very fine people on here. Oh, also I should mention uh, a very fine guitarist uh, on here as well, who, um, yeah, Steve Cardenas on guitar, who uh, um, introduces the first piece of music. So here then, Two Carla Play compositions played by the Liberation Music Orchestra.
We heard two pieces of music by the Liberation Music Orchestra, of course, which was started by the late, great bassist Charlie Hayden. And Charlie, of course, passed away in 2014, and these pieces that we heard were recorded in 2015, the orchestra under the direction of Carla Blay. And Carla wrote these two um, incredible pieces of music for the Liberation Music Orchestra. And the first one was entitled Silent Spring, after the Rachel Carson uh, book. And the soloist on that was tenor saxophonist Chris Cheek and trumpeter Michael Rodriguez and guitarist Steve Cardenas. And the second piece of music had a kind of a Nordic title because Carla Blay is Scandinavian descent, and it's called Utvingling Sang, a very beautifully melodic piece that kind of stays in your head for a long time. The um, soloists on there, Curtis Folks on trombone and Lauren Stillman on alto saxophone. Silent Spring and Utvikling Sang, both compositions by Carla Blay, and of course she directed the orchestra. The Liberation Music Orchestra is from an album called Time Life, Song for the Whales and Other Beings, and it was issued on Impulse Records and recorded in uh, 2015 in New York City. We're going to uh, change the pace a little bit and cheer things up. Uh, we just heard two beautifully somber pieces of music, which is, uh, of course, always has a place. And this time we're going to take you back to the um, Newport Jazz Festival. But first, I'd just like to tell you that you are listening to CITR FM 101.9. Or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name is Gavin Walker, and this is The Jazz Show. And we have up next a trio of great musicians, Jimmy Jones on piano, Whitey Mitchell on bass, and John Poole on drums. But the feature artist on here is the great singer Anita O'Day. Now, many of you have seen this video. It's a famous... Um, film that was made, and of course it's out on video now. You can find it on YouTube and everywhere else, and it's called Jazz on a Summer's Day. And um, this, all the excerpts um, were taken from the Newport Jazz Festival uh, in 1958, which uh, lasted from July 3rd to July 6th. So this is the Anita O'Day segment and we're going to hear her do Sweet Georgia Brown. And then we're going to hear her do Tea for Two. Two great standard tunes done Anita O'Day style. Check her out. She's fabulous. And, of course, any of you who have seen the movie, remember her. She is so beautifully dressed with her long, elegant gloves and her hat. And uh, she's quite a sight and quite something to listen to as well. Here's Anita. Mm-hmm. 
tunes by the great Anita O'Day and uh, Anita doing her thing and having a lot of fun, of course, in front of the audience uh, at the Newport Jazz Festival in July of 19, 
58. Anita O'Day, along with Jimmy Jones on piano, Whitey Mitchell on bass, and uh, John Poole, her regular drummer. And we heard her exotic version of Sweet Georgia Brown as a, a neat arrangement that uh, she put together. And then, of course, uh, the up-tempo uh, standard T for two, Anita O'Day. As I said, anyone who has seen this movie, which is a classic, um, will remember Anita O'Day with her huge hat. Uh, she looked just fabulous in a, in a black dress and long black gloves and uh, just um, performing beautifully. And Anita O'Day, one of the great jazz legends and one of the greatest of all jazz singers as well. You know, I had a, a hip cousin when I was when I was a little boy. I was interested in music. My my parents were were quite musical, and I was taken to um, symphony orchestras and so on and so forth. And I listened to the radio all the time. There was so much good music on the radio in those days. And I'm talking about really good music, varied programs, classical music, uh, jazz music. That's where I developed my um, love for jazz music because I didn't really. Um, know what it was, but I knew when I heard it what it was, if you know what I mean. Um, and, and there was all kinds of um, really in, informed uh, programmers uh, who introduced the music and the people involved and so on and so forth. And gradually um, I, I became, uh, I recognized um, jazz music and e even as a, a very small child. And of course that was, uh, that influenced um, my my life, really. And one of the first records that I ever owned was actually given to me by a very hip cousin who was much older than, than me. Uh, she was in her teens, and I was just a little kid. And I was visiting my aunt um, with my parents, of course, and uh, we had dinner. My cousin was there. And, of course, uh, um I uh, was looking through her, the, all her records that she had, and I picked one out. We're going to hear it right now, but I picked this one out, and I fell in love with it, and I said, that's it. That's the music. That's the music that I love, you know, and uh, I got so excited about it, and uh, so I guess she remembered uh, my cousin Betty, uh, she was uh, she was really hip, <laughs> and I guess she remembered, and she went out and bought another copy of this record, and came over to my my parents' home, and um, I guess after school or wherever she was, and dropped it off, uh, all wrapped up as a present to me, and of course uh, I was quite surprised when I when I came home from uh, I was you know in elementary school and I came home and found this, this package. It wasn't even my birthday. It wasn't Christmas time or anything. And here's this package all nicely wrapped up. And uh, my mother said, well, you know, Betty dropped it over for you. And uh, I, I, really, I didn't even know what it was uh, until I opened it. And, of course, it was this record. And that's the record that I had been listening to it at her house that I, that I jumped up and down and fell in love with. So I'm going to play it for you now. It was the very first... Um, jazz record that I ever owned, and it featured the great uh, trumpeter Harry James, along with the Boogie Woogie Trio, 
and it featured two of the greatest uh, exponents of boogie-woogie piano. The first tune features Pete Johnson on, on uh, piano, and the second tune features the, the daddy of the great saxophonist Gene Ammons, um, his daddy was Albert Ammons, who was one of the, who was really my favorite boogie woogie pianist, and he's on the second tune, and Harry James is just superb on these recordings. Johnny Williams is on bass, and Eddie Doherty is on drums. And these are two Harry James compositions, uh, tailored especially for the context that he was playing in, and the first tune is called uh, "Boo Woo." which is short for Boogie Woogie, and the second tune is called Woo Woo. So here then, Harry James with the Boogie Woogie Trio. Pete Johnson is on first, and Albert Ammons is on the second tune. So here we go, and I think you'll enjoy this stuff. Thank you. 
So there you have it. <laughs> that was the first jazz record I ever owned. So uh, and it, <laughs> it changed my life forever. And uh, thanks to my, my cousin Betty, uh, who uh, brought a brand-new copy of that uh, record over. And, of course, I, I wore it out and uh, played it over and over again. It drove my parents absolutely crazy because I couldn't stop listening to it. And uh, there you go. So I hope you enjoyed it. It's uh, great music. Harry James, the legendary Harry James on trumpet. This is recorded in 1939. Harry James on trumpet with the Boogie Woogie Trio. The first pianist was Pete Johnson, legendary Boogie Woogie pianist, uh, along with um, Johnny Williams on bass and uh, Eddie Doherty on drums. And the second uh, pianist uh, on the second tune was uh, the great Albert Ammons and um, with the same guys. And uh, the first tune was called uh, Boo Woo, and the second tune was called Woo Woo both written by Harry James. Some of his very best playing is right is right, right there. And, of course, he did a lot of recording and had a great long career in jazz. Harry James. You know, our jazz feature artist was um, Fred Jackson. And after these messages, I'm going to play you uh, the album uh, or a track from the album that got Fred Jackson the feature record date that we played at the top of the show. And it, it was this sideman appearance um, on an album by the legendary organist, Babyface Willette. And Fred Jackson was the tenor saxophonist on here. So we're going to hear a track or two from um, an album called Face to Face. But uh, we're going to hear a couple of messages first, and we'll get, get to that in just a moment. First... You are listening to CITR FM 101.9 or on the web www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker. This is The Jazz Show. And do you want to know more about human rights abuses, global issues, and international politics? Are you interested in writing to foreign and local governments in response to global crises? Are you ready to give peace a chance? If your answer is yes, then Amnesty International UBC may be the club for you. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash AIUBC or send us an email at amnestyubc at gmail.com. UBC's Museum of Anthropology displays long-term and visiting exhibits of indigenous art from around the world, and guided tours are free. Our permanent collection features one of the world's finest exhibits of Northwest Coast First Nations art. Our collection includes 36,000 ethnographic pieces, 535,000 archaeological pieces, and over 600 pieces in the Kroner Ceramics Gallery. There's a lot to take in. Luckily at the Museum of Anthropology, final exams are always take-home. If you've never checked out this world-class facility, now's your chance. The Museum of Anthropology is located right on campus and free for all UBC students and faculty. Come enjoy our collection and resources. You're listening to CITR 101.9, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Honkameenam-speaking Musqueam people. We have a couple of uh, 
things to tell you about a couple of great websites, and I always mention them on the show. One of them, of course, is the website of the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society, and that's coastaljazz.ca. They produce their own concerts and events, but also they are the backers of Frankie's Jazz Club, which is down on Beatty Street right across from BC Place, and it's become one of the leading venues, if not the leading jazz venue in Vancouver. It's choreographed and programmed by Corey Weeds, of course, who... uh, uh, for 13 years, ran the legendary cellar out on West Broadway. And Corey, of course, is still extremely active as a musician and entrepreneur, owns a record label, Cellar uh, Jazz, and, uh, of course, is a very busy fellow. And um, he does his best to uh, bring you some of great people into Frankie's, and he has been doing so consistently. Now, If you get onto the Coastal Jazz website, you can see all the schedule of Frankie's, what's going on there. You can uh, make reservations. You can pay for it online. You can do all of that stuff and um, book a table for uh, two, five, six, seven, whatever, and uh, uh, take care of all kinds of business right online before you even go down to the club. And that, uh, that clears the way for you to get in, get seated, and have a great time at the club. If you, um, um, if you look at the schedule, then you can pick out the artists that you would like to see and, and, and people that are coming in the future. Um, it's very comprehensive website, and that's coastaljazz.ca. And, of course, there are other wonderful venues in Vancouver, like uh, there's a regular jazz happening every Saturday afternoon at Pat's Pub, which is down at the downtown east side in the old Patricia Hotel. And that's an extremely comfortable uh, place. And it's um, you're, you're far enough away from the center of the downtown east side, if you know what I mean. Um, parking is ample around. There's a private lot. Um, there's street parking. Um, you're quite safe down there, really. A lot of people have said, oh, I don't know, I don't like that location. Well, it's not bad at all, really. And, of course, um, there's jazz every Saturday afternoon. The nice thing about Pat's Bob is that it's free. It doesn't cost you anything to get in, so there's no, there's no cover charge. And uh, some of our finest musicians uh, do gigs at Pat's Bob, so check it out. And, of course, um, the other great website to get onto besides coastaljazz.ca is Brian Nation's website, which is vancouverjazz.com. And uh, both of those websites are extremely comprehensive. And just one more thing. I always like to mention my good friend Ken Speller, who is a music teacher. He comes to your, he can come to your house, and that's what he does. He has a, a business called Music at Home. And he will actually come to your house and teach you how to play the saxophone or the flute or the clarinet, whatever you choose, and um, uh, school you on how to, uh, how to uh, choose a good instrument and, and keep your instrument in shape and all that sort of stuff. He's also an expert repairman, he, and he has his workshop in his home, so he doesn't have the store overhead to uh, finance. So he keeps his prices very reasonable. So if you do already play an instrument, whether you're an amateur, professional, or student, uh, you know that uh, saxophones, flutes, and clarinets have a lot of moving parts and need to be kept up. And Ken Speller's uh, the guy to do it. 
Um, so not only is he a music teacher, but a wonderful repairman. And he's also a fine musician himself. He can play. All right. You can reach Ken at 778-800-1933. 778-800-1933. Or you can also reach him uh, via email, which is kspeller, K-S-P-E-L-L-E-R underscore 14 at yahoo.ca kspeller underscore 14 at yahoo.ca. All right, our jazz feature was uh, tenor saxophonist Fred Jackson. Now, here he is uh, as a sideman. The leader of the date is the legendary Roosevelt Babyface Willette. And this is from Babyface's second album on Blue Note. It's a classic. It's called Face to Face. Uh, Fred Jackson, tenor saxophone, the great Grant Green on guitar, Ben Dixon on drums, and, of course, Babyface Willette on Hammond organ. We're going to hear two tunes. Um, The first one is called Swingin' at Sugar Ray's. Sugar Ray's was a a club owned by the great fighter uh, Sugar Ray Robinson. And um, uh, he loved jazz music, and he he had a club in Harlem, and uh, this band played there. So the first tune is dedicated to that club. It's called Swingin' at Sugar Ray's. And the second tune is the uh, title track from this album. It's called Face to Face. So here then, Babyface Willette and Company and Fred Jackson. Thank you. 
Thank you. 
That was some music by the legendary New Orleans-born organist, the late, great babyface Willette on Hammond organ, along with Fred Jackson, the gentleman that did our jazz feature this evening on tenor saxophone, the great Grant Green on guitar, and Ben Dixon on drums. And we heard two tunes. The first one, both compositions by Babyface Willette. The first one was called Swingin' It Sugar Rays, and the second tune was the title track from this album, Face to Face. And all of this was recorded in January of 1961 for Blue Note Records. And um, Babyface did two albums for Blue Note, his first um, and this one, Face to Face. Both of them are great. So I hope you enjoyed that music. And we're going to continue now with some music by the brother of Cannonball Adderley. I'm talking about Nat, Nat Adderley plays the cornet, which, of course, is a smaller, sharper-sounding trumpet. And uh, Nat is one of the great masters of jazz. And we're going to hear Matt with Johnny Griffin on tenor saxophone. Johnny, of course, the Chicago Fire. And the Three Sounds, that was a trio of musicians that worked under that title. And the pianist is the great Gene Harris, Andrew Simpkins on bass, and Bill Doughty on drums. And, of course, they uh, recorded uh, for various labels over the years under the name The Three Sounds. And I remember hearing them in person in Seattle uh, years ago at a place called The Black and Tan. And uh, what a wonderful evening of uh, jazz trio music. And um, these guys were so good. Anyway, they're the rhythm section uh, on this. Nat uh, picked them out to do this album. The album is called Branching Out, so we're going to hear the first tune uh, from that album. It's a composition by Nat Adderley. And the second tune is a rather hilarious um, version of Thelonious Monk's Well, You Needn't. So here then, Nat Adderley and Johnny Griffin with The Three Sounds. Branching Out. Thank you. 
Two tunes from an album called Branching Out. And that featured Nat Adderley on cornet, leading the band, along with uh, Johnny Griffin on tenor saxophone, the Chicago Fire, and the three sounds, Gene Harris on piano, Andrew Simpkins on bass, and Bill Dowdy on drums. And, of course, that rhythm section worked as an independent trio. So, actually, the album is called Branching Out, Nat Adderley and Company with the Three Sounds. And we heard two tunes. We heard the title track written by Nat called Branching Out. And uh, the second tune was a rather uh, humorous version of Thelonious Monk's great tune, uh, Well, You Needn't. We're going to take you now to a legendary Chicago jazz club. And this goes back to the mid-50s and one of the greatest bands in the history of modern jazz, the Max Roach Clifford Brown Quintet. And this was recorded June the 30th, 1955, in Chicago. At this, uh, they, uh, The Beehive was the leading jazz club in Chicago in those years. And, of course, they featured a full menu of modern jazz and some of the greatest musicians that ever lived, played there. And this band, of course, was um, one of the leading bands of the era. And, of course, the late, great, and wonderful trumpet player Clifford Brown, who was really um, set a brand-new standard of playing jazz trumpet. Uh, He was such a wonderful musician and a great example of a human being, too. Uh, Clifford Brown was one of those musicians that inspired others. um, not to drink or take drugs or anything like that. He didn't preach at that. He just, he lived that way. He wasn't that way himself. And yet he played um, so so beautifully that he was such a, a great example to a lot of musicians that did have those kind of problems. And they, they looked up to Clifford and said, you know, I, I'd like to be like him. And a lot of them did. And he inspired a lot of people. Sad to say, he died the following year in a car crash Uh, along with the uh, pianist in this band, Richie Powell, who was Bud Powell's younger brother. This is the band, Clifford Brown on trumpet. He's the co-leader. Max Roach, of course, on drums. They were both co-leaders. Harold Land on tenor saxophone, one of the unsung great tenor saxophone players. Richie Powell on piano, and George Morrow on bass. And uh, this is an old standard tune that, um, oh, it's been around for who knows how long. And musicians of all eras have, have played this tune. It's called After You've Gone. And this is the version of Clifford Brown and Max Roach. And uh, this is a, a live version. Usually on when uh, Brown and Roach made records, they, they of course, because they the tunes couldn't go on for uh, 20, 25 minutes. There's no such thing. They usually condensed everything to maybe seven or eight minutes maximum. But this is a live performance, and it carries on for a long time, and you really really get a chance to hear the musicians stretch out. The recording quality is, uh, I will say, pretty good. It's not a professional recording, but it's not bad. And the music is superb. So sit back and enjoy After You've Gone, the Clifford Brown Max Roach Quintet. Mm-hmm. 
an epic performance of an old tune called After You've Gone by the great Clifford Brown Max Roach Quintet, of course, one of the seminal modern jazz groups. The late, great Clifford Brown on trumpet. He was just 25 years old when this was recorded. Uh, an amazing, an amazing musician. Max Roach, of course, on drums. And Harold Land, sounding wonderful on tenor saxophone. Richie Powell on piano. George Morrow on bass. All of this was recorded at the Beehive, which was the leading jazz club in Chicago um, in the 50s. Everybody played there from Charlie Parker to Thelonious Monk to uh, everybody. Um, the Beehive was the center of modern jazz activity then. And this was recorded June 30th, 1955. And as I mentioned, the recording quality um, was okay, um, considering that it was not professionally done. So the balance was, was okay, and the recording quality was relatively clear. And, um, of course, this band used to like to play um, long tunes, and this was a long one. After you've gone. Virtuosos, all, and great, great musicians. We're going to turn now to the music of Charles Mingus. Mingus in the mid-60s, of course, um, fell into some hard times. And um, his health uh, was failing him, and uh, he actually gave up music for a couple of years. It um, didn't do very much, but then uh, began to play again in about 1968. Um, people talked to him, and, and uh, he seemed to get his spirit back and continued to play uh, some small gigs and um, reestablished himself as one of the most important musicians that jazz has ever produced. And by 1970... Mingus was back, and um, this was recorded in Oslo. He was uh, touring Europe at the time with his uh, jazz workshop, and we're going to hear one of his great compositions called Orange Was the Color of Her Dress, Then Blue Silk. Charles Mingus on bass, Jackie Byard on piano, some wonderful trumpet work by Eddie Preston. Bobby Jones, the late Bobby Jones on tenor saxophone, and my good friend Charles McPherson on alto saxophone, sounding just beautiful, as he always does. And, of course, Danny Richmond on drums. Orange was the color of her dress, then blue silk. Charles Mingus. Thank you. 
Charles Mingus and the Jazz Workshop, recorded in Oslo, the 22nd of October, 1970. And um, Mr. Mingus, Charles Mingus on bass, Jackie Byard on piano, Eddie Preston on trumpet, Charles McPherson on alto saxophone, Bobby Jones on tenor saxophone, and of course, Danny Richmond on drums. Orange was the color of her dress, then blue silk. One of Mingus's uh, great compositions, and of course played beautifully by this band. And by 1970, Mingus was back after a follow period in the uh, in the late 60s, where he uh, literally quit music for a couple of years, and um, and then came back, and of course right up to the end, which was January 5th, 1979, when Mingus died of, uh, through complications of ALS. We're going to conclude the show this evening with a great piece of music by tenor saxophonist Yusef Latif, and this is from his album The Centaur and the Phoenix, which was recorded for Riverside Records back in 1961, and it features a uh, a great band put together by Youssef. Uh, he's, of course, heard on tenor saxophone with um, a, a fellow Detroiter on baritone saxophone, Tate Houston, and uh, Curtis Fuller on trombone, another Detroiter, and Richard Williams on trumpet, and the soloist on here is Clark Terry. plays a beautiful solo on this piece. Rhythm section, Joe Zavanul on piano, Ben Tucker on bass, and Lex Humphreys on drums. And this is a composition by Youssef Latif, and it's called Revelation. Thank you. 
great Yusef Latif on tenor saxophone, leading his small band, which included, um, and we heard in solo, we heard uh, Clark Terry on trumpet. We also heard Curtis Fuller on trombone and Joe Zavanul on piano. And um, there were other people involved in the band, Tate Houston, baritone saxophone, Josiah Taylor, bassoon, and Richard Williams on second trumpet. Those were the non-soloing uh, horns. And of course in the rhythm section, Joe Zavanul, as I mentioned, on piano, Ben Tucker on bass, and the great Lex Humphreys on drums. Recorded in 1961, the leading track uh, from Yousef's album, The Centaur and the Phoenix, recorded for Riverside Records. That was a composition called Revelation. And the revelation is that this is the end of the jazz show this evening. We'd like to thank you very much, those of you that have hung on and uh, maybe joined us late or early or at any time or listened to the whole show. Uh, we're always grateful for uh, all of you folks out there. On behalf of uh, CITR and yours truly, Gavin Walker, and The Jazz Show, and of course you're listening to CITR FM 101.9, or on 
your computer, www.citr.ca. So we'll be back in seven days. We're here Monday evenings, and we start with the uh, show at 9 p.m. And after the um, theme and intro, we kick off the show, as always, with our jazz feature. So uh, do join us next week in the merry month of December. Ooh, last month of a, a rather eventful year of 2016. We'll see where it all leads to. Hmm. Take care and uh, stay out of the rain and try and stay happy. Bye-bye. See you in seven days. Friday and Cyber Monday. Thank you.